Dear friends, welcome back to this latest episode of the podcast series, The Way Out is In. I'm Joe Confino, working at the intersection of personal transformation and systems evolution. And I am Brother Fapu, a Zen Buddhist monk, a student of Zen Master Tikkinhan in the Plum Village tradition. And Brother, today we are going to be talking about freedom. Now, often um, that word is associated with, oh, how wonderful, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, without a care in the world. And of course, in Buddhism and the Plum Village tradition, freedom is clearly associated with responsibility and commitment. They are inseparable. So we are going to explore maybe a deeper meaning and sense of what it is to be free. The way out is in. Hello, dear listeners. I am Joe Confino. And I'm Brother Fab Hu. Brother Fab Hu, how wonderful to see you. Likewise. It's been, I've been away for three weeks, so uh, we did one recording when I was away, but it's lovely to be back in Thich Nhat Hanh's hut, the sitting still hut in Upper Hamlet in France, sitting around his kitchen table uh, with Kata, who's recording this episode, and my wife Paz, and it feels very cosy to be back. So, Brother Fab Hu, why don't we start off? I always start off with throwing you a question, an opening question. Um, why are we talking about freedom today? What's on your mind? On my mind, freedom has been a topic because one of my younger monastic brother is giving a presentation to the Bishu class about the topic of freedom. And he wanted to pick some brains within the uh, monastic community and so one day he came up to me and he just asked me, brother, what is your understanding of freedom? And I looked at him and said, oh, that's a loaded question. And the first thing I said was to ask back to him, brother, but first of all, let me hear what is your take on freedom? And he said, very naturally, and I think this speaks for a lot of us. He said, well, for me, the first thing when I think about freedom is I get to do whatever I want. And we both looked at each other and had a great laugh about it because we were all brought up with that kind of um, view where it's like, I want to be successful, to be free and to do whatever I want to do, to say whatever I want to say and eat whatever I want to eat. So in, in that, it also carries some suffering because we can't do what we want to do right now. Therefore, we are seeking something in the further future. And then he asked, well, but brother, please, please tell me. And I said, well, you know, in Buddhism and in our practice of mindfulness, whenever we speak about something such as mindfulness or freedom, it's always freedom of something. What is it that we are trying to be free from? And our practice is mindfulness, awareness of body, speech, and mind, and the three times, the past, the present, and future. 
And we may not be free from our emotions, feelings, which is generated by our daily consumption of what we see, what we hear, what we experience. And if we don't have a practice, a foundation to take refuge in, we may be caught in our desires, in our views, in our thoughts, positive or negative or neutral, or in stories of what is happening around us. And are we able to be who we are? And when we say that, that also can be a trap, who we are, because in the deep teaching of Buddhism, we are made of non-us element. And our practice of Buddhism is to touch the non-self insight, which is interbeing, this word that our teacher have coined in the 21st century. And this insight is a very deep insight. It's an insight not to just intellectually grasp, but it is an insight to experience within us. When we look at ourselves and we say, I want to be me, but who is this me? So this me suddenly also becomes an object. Uh, and if we look into our present moment, can we truly be exactly just us? And the answer is no, because we are made of non-us element. So when we talk about freedom, we, we are speaking about freedom of our suffering, freedom of our negativity, freedom of how we want to walk and show up in this world. Our steps can be made of the energy of freedom and ease. Our breath can generate the sense of happiness, liberation in the present moment, which is freedom. And we understand that freedom is something that we can touch in the present moment, even if we are sitting in a prison. We all of us who are, are listening, we may be sitting at home, we may be sitting in a bus, we may be sitting in a car, going for a walk. We have quote-unquote freedom. We are doing whatever we want. But are we truly free from the past? Are we free from the daydreaming of the present moment? Are we free from being worried about the future? Are we free in our thinking? So freedom is always freedom of something. And our practice as a practitioner is to learn to walk and step into freedom each day. Freedom is an energy that can organically grow and it can penetrate into our way we speak, a way we be with each other, the way we love, does our love embody freedom or is our love a trap expecting the other person to be exactly how we want? Is that true freedom? Or is our freedom allowing us to also embrace our suffering, our present moment? We can still be in pain, but we can be free from it also by experiencing it, accepting it, 
and working through it. So freedom is not a destination very far away. It can be experienced by our practice of mindfulness. And freedom comes with responsibility. When we say something, it has consequences. When we act, it has consequences. So freedom can be cultivated, it can be experienced, but freedom can also be taken away. And brother, how would you describe Tai and his way he lived his life in freedom and how he sort of expressed that in his life and in his practice? I think living with Tai, I can definitely say Tai was a free person because the way he showed up, he was never caught by the past or caught into the fear of the future. I give one example. Because um, very recently, I, I, I had a, a beautiful journey back to Vietnam where I was able to um, touch my roots. And a lot of the times when I was walking in Vietnam, I was walking with the insight that this is... This is the nation that uh, where Thai was born, where Thai was born in, into, and where my parents, my ancestors, and because of the um, the situation that Vietnam had to go through through the war and everything, and Thai was also exiled from Vietnam, and w- was banned from coming home. And if anyone has a right to be angry, Thai has the right to be angry. But throughout all my years that I was his um, attendant, there was not a moment where I had any hatred or any anger or any ill will toward Vietnam. Because he has touched his true home, which is the present moment. And Vietnam is not just a country, but Vietnam is what he is continuing, which is to enrich his practice through the heritage that has been transmitted to him through Buddhism, cultural, language, art, calligraphy, and also expanding the arts of Vietnam through his poetry, through his music, and through his teaching, which carries carries a special fragrance of deep love that... uh, Vietnam speaks a lot about filial piety and the love to a mother. And Thai was the person that created um, a rose for your pocket ceremony, which is like the equivalent of Mother's Mother's Day in the West. And just by recognizing that he has transformed his experience, um, whatever he went through. And so when I was with him, he was never triggered by any um, conversation that involved Vietnam or involved um, the Buddhist organizations, etc. But there was always this genuine love. This is just one example. I, I felt, wow, Thay, how did you practice that? How, what did you have to go through to transform all of this? You know, And of course, for me, I understand it is the daily practice. It is the transformation at the base, which is to understand the suffering and have compassion. And on another level is, you know, Tai was a very active monk. 
an active teacher. He had a very large community that he has created. He had a lot of things to do in his heart. He has deep aspiration and profound um, a profound determination to renew Buddhism, to help Buddhism take root internationally, not just in Vietnam, not just in France, but for it to be a foundation. So he was coming up with projects like left and right, like every every year we had a new project for all of us to um, to invest into. But Tai was so free in the action. Tai was so free in the work. So this idea that sometimes even I have, I think freedom is when we retire, <laughs> when when we are not going to have to show up anymore, and we just get to put a hammock up and enjoy life, enjoy sunbathing, etc. And Tai showed me that you can still be so alive, still be so young, um, so full of energy, and so free when your work, your daily action, you see it has a great impact to the loved ones around you, for Tai is his student, and then his larger community. And then to be able to produce and to articulate teachings into books, into um, Dharma talks so that it can be shared around the world was his source of nourishment. So he had total sense of liberation by doing this. And I remember one time we were um, preparing for a 30-year anniversary in Plum Village. And, you know, it's, it takes a lot of work to establish any community. It's not easy. You know, people think, yay, let's just create a community and we're all joyful. And we forget about the the sweat, the tears, the difficulties that we all have to go through because living together is an art. And so I was very naive that particular year and I was very young. So I said, Tai, next year, 30 years of Plum Village. Let's just stay home. Tai, don't go on tours. Let's be a little bit selfish. Let's enjoy Plum Village for each other. And I think that it was a little bit tempting because Tai did have a pause. Um, but then, you know, he turned around and he said, but that gives me joy, my student. And he said, you know, when Tai is able to go and teach, Tai feels that he gets to interbe with everyone. It's kind of like he gets to experience life at the deepest level when he's teaching, when he is allowed to have access to people's well-being by giving them practices and showing them through his own way of being, through his own way of walking, which embodies freedom, through his own way of being, which is the embodiment of stability, peace, inner peace, and compassion, which is embraced by freedom, that has an impact that can ripple very deeply into the future for each individual. And Tai said, it's like a teacher or like a doctor who has some antidotes, some vitamins that can be a support for someone. And Tai said, it's too selfish to just keep it for us. We need to learn to practice non-self. 
and you know I just like join my palm and I bow so deeply and I said I I understand Thai. We will continue to to be free in our doing. So one of the things you'll talk about, brother, is that we find freedom through our suffering. So so much of the time, people feel freedom is the absence of suffering or the avoidance of suffering. So to feel free is to say, actually, I have no responsibilities. I have nothing to worry about. But a lot of what you're talking about in the Plum Village tradition is that we touch freedom by going, the way out is in. And I think if we had a longer title for this podcast, be the way out is in and through, mm-hmm. because actually the truth is that it's when we touch deeply our suffering and find a way through it that we feel free. Because when we are avoiding our suffering or stuck in our suffering, we are changing our life accordingly. So we're not free because we're always trying to cope with our suffering or trying to avoid it. So I'm just wondering whether you could share where you are on that journey of sort of suffering and freedom and how and any experiences you've had that might shed light for our listeners. Yes, um, I had to first understand what it means for me, freedom, and not to um, think of it as like something very far away. Because freedom, sometimes it sounds like enlightenment, you know, it's something that is quite ultimate. It's like the final destination. But what I have learned is that all of these big words, such as freedom, enlightenment, happiness, liberation, is not the final destination. It is actually in each moment in the path where you are mindful and you can see it in different realms, different elements, in different moments. And I... I experienced the little freedom first and I learned to enjoy those little freedom, such as um, knowing to sit and do nothing. That is freedom. And I remember um, Tai teaching us like so a lot of times we do we enter into sitting meditation with with a goal to to achieve enlightenment or to be one step closer to enlightenment. And Thay said that we're not free from that thought. <laughs> but for Thay, sit just to sit, first of all. Sit just to be alive. Sit just to enjoy your breath. Sit just to know that you can enter into an inner peace, that you can allow yourself to just be with whatever is. That is freedom. And normally in sitting meditation, nobody speaks. Nobody is allowed to interrupt each other. So Tai one time told us, and you know, that 30 minute or 45 minute of sitting is the moment when nobody gets to come up and interrupt you. And he said, isn't that true? And we all look and we're like, that is true. And for us in our times, it is also the moment 
when none of us is allowed to pull out our smartphone or none of us is allowed to run towards our desire because there is a collective energy that is inviting us to be still and to sit. Of course, if if you are having pain or if you're going through something very difficult and that stillness interrupts you and is scary, you can walk out. None of us will 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 run after you and say what are you doing get back in the get back on the cushion you know we don't have that spirit in our tradition so recognizing those freedom those moment of freedom so that was something that i i was learning to to touch the richness of the simple freedom that i had so in order to touch and to experience and not take for granted such moments i can then grow my inner freedom and let that inner freedom play its part and leak into my own suffering my own state of being and very recently um i had a very liberating moment with my loneliness i am normally very energetic um very, i i love being in crowds i love being with people um i i like i like to start parties i like to start conversation i like to be you know the energy ball of 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 the group and so on but there comes a time when we all need to also take a step back and just learn to take care of our our energies of mind of body and of um speech our breath and after our annual rains retreat we um we normally have 10 we're gifted 10 lazy days 10 days so that all of us can can create our own schedule and you have suddenly a blank piece of paper and you can draw whatever schedule you want and i was determined to use 3 days just for myself and uh, i asked kata for access to his uh, tiny house um um that is in the property of plum village and i was very determined to just stay in there and and rest and learn to to be by myself and you know the first day after lunch um the energy of loneliness was so powerful and it manifested and i felt shame i felt even guilty because i'm 21 years as a monastic now and i asked myself how can i still have such feelings and emotions and this void that was present like like almost like i was i was judging myself and i was also disappointed with myself and i wanted to run away from myself at that moment and very close by kata's um tiny house is um the greenhouse and there's this little two shed where a lot of the brothers would gather and we sometimes have bonfires there and we would have picnic meals there and i can hear 
the brothers enjoying tea together. The lonely Fabhu in me wanted to run and escape and dive deep into that energy, that collective energy, in order to to embrace or to maybe at that time, probably better to say to run away from this void. But I was so determined. I said, at this moment, this is an opportunity. I allow the sensation of loneliness to be a bell of mindfulness for me. And I said, okay, I'm going to stay with you. I am going to befriend you. And I started to talk to it, you know, and I said, my dear loneliness, I know you are there. Where do you come from? What condition is it that have allowed you to be present now? And why do I feel so little in this moment? And by staying with it and looking deeply at it, this is mindfulness. This is deep looking. This is vipassana. Allowing myself to also be still like a lake so that things can become clear and reflect. And it started to give me some insight because one insight was when, when we were growing up, me and my sister, um, my family, my parents were, were both uh, um, refugees. So entering into Canada, the, the first years, they both had two jobs. And whenever we would come home from school, nobody was home. And there were days when, you know, I experienced like being made fun of, I experienced being bullied, I experienced um, feeling so small. And as as um, an Asian kid, like also trying to fit into this culture, this and and trying to overcome my own complexes, you can feel so lonely and you in and your dream and your hope is just to come home and someone there to embrace you someone there to just say you're enough you know and just to tell you that you're beautiful you're wonderful just be who you are but that wasn't there and so in that moment i touched something very profound and i said ah this undercurrent of this this void and this emptiness is still so present. And I said, but now I am Brother Fapu, 21 years in the community with so much love from my root teacher, uh, uh, Tai, from my community, from my parents, from my um, blood sister, and then from everyone who has connected through uh, connected to me through Plum Village, become part of the Sangha. And so the reality is actually very different. And I said, my dear young Fapu, let, let me allow you to experience the here and now. Let's be free from the past. That experience is real. But this experience is also very real. 
And suddenly at that moment, there was freedom there. There was freedom in being in loneliness, in allowing loneliness to have its moment to be present, but allowing loneliness to bathe in the freedom of mindfulness, the freedom of who I am today. Yes, that experience was very real, but this experience right now is also very real. And a deeper layer of transformation happened at that moment, which was, I think that somewhat I did want it to, there was, there has always been like, we never had enough time as a family together growing up. Um, even on weekends, we, we, I would watch these movies, these Hollywood movies and see families eat together and so on. And I crave that, you know. And so there was also this under, underground of resentment that I had towards my parents. But in that moment, I, gratitude was so present also. Because every time I came home though, there was a pot of rice, there was a pot of soup, and there was a pot of salty food, salty dish to eat with the rice. And that was the love of my mom. That was the love of my dad. They couldn't show up as physically, but they never forgot us. And they made sure that when we came home, there was warm food, there was hot food. And in that moment, I started to transform and I started to pay gratitude to, to my parents and to their hardship, which I didn't have to experience. And they did it out of love for me and my sister. So in that moment, I also felt very free from, um, from resentment and from that childhood of feeling... Uh, that there was a missing bond, but there now I can definitely share that you know the bond between me and my family is very, very profound and a lot of gratitude towards the practice. Yeah. What I'm hearing, and thank you for sharing so deeply, brother. Um, what I think I'm hearing is that um, it's very much one of the sort of signatures of Plum Village as I have arrived, I am home. It sounds like, um, you know, there's a... And in the one of the previous episodes, which was an interview I did with Thich Nhat Hanh, he talks about there's this endless journey about, he said... Uh, I have arrived, I'm home, goes on endlessly. We, we ever find that deepening and ripening of that. Um, so what I hear in what you're saying is that in one sense, you're more deeply coming home to yourself. And that means coming home to yourself in the present moment, 
which allows you to heal the past. And um, and I, that's sort of resonating for me as well. And um, because I think for a lot of my life, I felt imprisoned by my own self because actually what I, I didn't think I was enough and therefore I was very dependent on other people. So I saw myself in the mirror reflect by other people. So actually I was not free because I didn't feel I could be myself. I feel I always had to fit in. And um, I think I've learned through my own suffering and pain that freedom is about feeling at home with myself and loving myself and appreciating myself and letting go of my need of other people. So that actually creates community. It's because of, because I needed it. And um, I remember, brother, um, you know, my first marriage, it was going through a lot of difficulties. Um, and I was trying to hang on to this relationship. I, mean, I, I thought there was always a way through. I thought this, this was going to work. And uh, it became increasingly difficult. And um, I had read this book previously, um, and it talked about um, talked about actually letting go. And it was a story of a man and a woman on a rowing boat who were ship they were shipwrecked, and they managed to escape on a rowing boat, and they ended up being blown onto this beach of this island. And they got out of the rowing boat, and the man looked up to the top of the mountain and there was a sort of shrine at the top of the mountain and he told this woman he was deeply in love with you know you wait here I'll go and have a look and he went up to the top of the mountain and the shrine was literally vibrating with energy and he just knelt down and he had this deep wish he said you know I love this woman so much that I would do anything to make her happy and he sits there in meditation and then he gets up and he looks down and he sees this woman in the rowing boat going back out to sea, being taken back out to sea. And there was that sense of, you know, when you truly love someone, it's important to let them go because that's their freedom and that's your own freedom. And, um, and there was a day when I just let go of my need to be with my first wife I just released myself and released but actually it was more about releasing her from my need for her and it's been such a important moment I think for me about what it is to give someone else their freedom because then you give yourself freedom too and um and Paz my current wife hopefully forever is uh, is sitting in the room here and you know we got married in Plum Village and uh, Sister Chang Kong asked us to make vows, our personal vows to each other. Um, and my main vow to Paz was not to ever try and put her in a gilded cage. Because I know that for Paz, the most important thing for her is to feel free. When she's free, she's happy. When she feels free, she's creative. When she feels free, she feels the space around her. And... I recognize that my pattern is neediness and that if I were to ever move towards needing her and limiting her freedom, that I would actually kill off the very beauty that I see in her. And that if I ever tried to put her in a cage, however beautiful the cage is, that it would destroy her life force. Freedom is not singular. It's not just about 
my freedom or your freedom. It's that actually, if I give you your freedom, I give myself my freedom. That freedom is not just separate into one person. And I see that very much in terms of this community, that it's all about saying, you know, and I think it's one of the great gifts of Thai is that he'll, he gives people his freedom in Plum Village. You, you're not this tight order where everyone has to do the same thing and actually you you get rid of art and you get rid of music. Actually, Thai has, I think, recognised that if you're going to commit to being monastic, you need freedom within that. It's not about an imprisonment or a constriction. It's about a deepening. And so, you know, one of the things I've noticed in Plum Village is just, let's say, the music. You know, there's amazing musicians here and they're still composing and they're still playing together. And uh, people with artistic sort of um, ideas are able to create art. People who love to garden are allowed to do gardening. That actually everyone here is given freedom to express themselves because it comes out of their centre. So I'm wondering, brother, if you want to talk a bit about how one can become free within a monastery where you're all following a very tight schedule where you have many precepts you have to follow, that some people might look at it and say, you know, that is the very opposite of freedom. Is it? Yeah. I think a lot of the times people think about monastic uh, vows. They think of it as a, such a entrapment that we're putting ourselves into, like all of these rules and regulations. Funny enough, the word Practimosha, uh, which is our precept book, it means freedom wherever we go. And a monastic, what we practice is to enter into freedom deeper every day. And that means freedom of our desires, the desire for more power, more money, more fame, more sex, more acknowledgement, more ego. And, and to, the antidote for that is, is interbeing and non-self. And it doesn't mean that as a monastic, we, we don't contribute. We're not doing things that have our names and have our existence. But there is a way to take care of our pride. For example, when we do something, and somebody offers us flowers and gratitude, the way to practice in that moment is to practice interbeing and sharing this merit right away. It's not you, it's what you represent. So you channel that right away to gratitude. And that will free us from this me, this I am the best to, oh my God, today I owned it. You know, like today, the way I showed up was awesome. And we all can fall into these moments. And I've seen brothers and sisters who became a victim of their own success and forgetting about the true meaning of a monastic, which is to be free. And we, in our tradition, our second um, Dharma seal of Plum Village is to go as a river. To And what does that mean? It is to mean that our success, my success is the community success. Your talent, your skill, 
I will celebrate it because I also see that as mine. Even though you are the one that is um, performing um, that song, but somehow I see because we are so interconnected as a community. I am practicing to see your joy as my joy. So there's freedom there. There's a freedom in sharing the happiness. There's freedom in sharing the success and in the growth. Also, when I see a monastic brother or sister, or even a lay friend who is long term with us, I see the transformation. It brings me such joy. It brings me such freedom. Um, there's this there's this willow tree close to the um, um, the big meditation hall, and there's this little bridge under it. And in this spring, so many flowers are blooming, and you can listen to all of these birds that are singing twenty four seven around the monastery. Every time I come back from the dining hall, and I see someone sitting on that bridge, without doing anything, just enjoying nature. Somehow I feel so joyful, and I don't know if that person is suffering or happy, but I it it does represent freedom, and I I just feel, I just feel so at one with this person, you know, and in our precept, it has responsibility. The reason why you come to me, Joe, is because I'm a monk, and I have to also own, I have to step up to that responsibility. What I represent is the trainings, is the precept. I do make a vow, not to kill and not to um, let others kill. I, I am vegetarian. I do make a vow to not steal. I do make a vow to not uh, to live a, a celibate life, etc., etc. And all of these rules, quote unquote rules, for us they are not rules, but they are our path. It is our path. That keeps our freedom because when I live 100% with these trainings, I don't have fear, and suddenly I am free. When we have fear, that is when we lose our freedom. When we do something that we shouldn't have done, we lose our freedom. And this is why we have mindfulness trainings in our. Tradition in our lineage as a practice for also lay practitioners, those who want to fully embark on the life of mindfulness. We said, well, if you can apply these ethics, these particular mindfulness trainings into your daily life, you can experience real freedom because all of these trainings is to keep your heart at the level of nourishing and cultivating. Understanding and love, and aware of the suffering that can be created, if you say things that are unkind, if you let anger overtakes your life, your life, and your action becomes violent, it becomes hatred. Then we start to lose our freedom because people start to disconnect from us. We lose freedom, and we know that love is a mark of freedom. But in love, there has to be understanding, like what you just shared, Joe. And when we hear somebody share what brings them joy, and we have an idea, and we truly see this is what brings them joy, we let go. We learn to let go of our view of what happiness is. 
you know, this example with Tai, you know, like when Tai told me, but his joy is to give retreat. I could have come back and give an argument uh, and I could have said, but Tai, but how about us? Stay with us. We're your children, you know, and that, but then this is my view of just what happiness is. And I'm truly not understanding that person. And so what you said hits the mark of freedom is also letting go, letting go of our projection of what happiness is, what freedom is. The more we can be open, have space, the more freedom we allow. And our way of, of, of presence, you know, I think we can ex- we've all have experience when we're in a space with three people, five people, 10 people, somebody who has a lot of ideas, who is very um, egotistic, they take up a lot of space because they're not ready to listen. They just want to talk. They just want to hear themselves. <laughs> and if that person has um, good friends and, and someone to tell them, I think you should listen more. Be more spacious. Allow other people to talk. Be more mindful of how much you're sharing. Sometimes less is more. And so freedom offers us, it's a bell of mindfulness. Like how much are we taking up space in our our relationships, family, loved ones, colleagues, etc. So our training is to give us more freedom each day. And we all have to um, know what path we're walking. Like if you are a husband, you know that your commitment to your wife, your love to your wife, the way you um, behave, the way you are, that is the freedom. But the moment you start to break that trust through actions, through flirting with other people, through cheating, you start to live with fear and that is not freedom. And that is also not offering freedom to other people. So that's why we say freedom has responsibility. So brother, I just want to pick up on that less is more because I think that's so fundamental because in Western consumerist society, more is considered to equal freedom. That actually all the advertising is saying happiness and freedom comes from buying more things, that, that more things will bring us happiness. Whereas, and in fact, we know with all the evidence that actually the more we own, the more we feel losing. And also the more choice, the more, actually, the more stress there is. So give you an example. <laughs> I really like small supermarkets. <laughs> Such a pathetic example. But, but when I go into one of these hypermarkets, I find it so stressful. There's so much choice. And I just don't know what to buy. And and it and I get confused. And I, I just and when I go into a small supermarket that has everything I need, I know exactly. I just go around and I just pick up what I need. And it feels so freeing. And I think so much in life is actually the sense that actually the more we clear out our minds, the more we clear out our physical relate you know the the way that what all the things we own actually that creates freedom because actually then we come back to the core of what's most important to us and um and as you we were speaking earlier i'm 
I was reminded about um, Thay often told the story of this French novel where there's uh, someone who's facing execution and he's about to lose his life. And he's sitting there in his cell and there's just one small skylight above him. And he looks up at the blue sky and he suddenly comes to this place of feeling totally free, totally at home, that he's able to touch the essence of life just through that one small portal to the sky. And that then along comes a priest to read him his last rites. And he takes one look at the priest and he shoes him away because he sees that this man is more dead almost than he's about to be. And there's that sense of, in that moment, why is he free? Because you think, well, he's about to lose his life. That's not freedom, that's death. But actually knowing that his life is about to end clears everything out of the way and he's able to see life clearly. And I think often, unfortunately for a lot of people, they only feel free when they come to their deathbed and realise actually all the things they should have done and the release, and if they're able to release it at that moment and 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 go to the, their passing in a peaceful way. But it feels so important to shed things as we go, you know, shed our perceptions, shed our judgments, shed our beliefs, shed so much around us, because actually the more we come back to the simple pleasures of life is freedom. And, and in a sense, what you were saying earlier, brother, about freedom is commitment. This idea that if we're free to do anything we want is not freedom. It's actually confusing to ourselves. But when we really commit to something, give ourselves wholeheartedly to it, then actually that is freedom. Yeah, and we know what to do and what not to do to care for ourselves. I have this very funny story. Um, when Thai was on tour, whenever we would go to the U.S. or we would go to Asia or big Europe trips, we always schedule our time so that we have some outing days for the community to explore a new country that we are in. And Thai was very mindful of how much energy he has to give in retreats, in public talks. And in the moments of rest days, Thai really likes to, to take a step back and just enjoy time in the hut with um, his attendants. He would like to write calligraphies. He would like to just enjoy a cup of tea or to hear some feedback of how the retreat was. And Thai was very open. He always asked us, like, was my teaching okay? Is, is there anything else I should say or something that maybe didn't land it for people. You know, this was how free he was as a teacher to his young disciples who are just learning to walk on their two feet <laughs> and, and, and being aware of their breath. Um, and there was one retreat, we were in the Rocky Mountains at the YMCA Estes Park. And um, the monastic love hiking because, you know, this is, a part of becoming a monastic, you, you do have to have some relationship to nature or else you just want to live in the city. And all the monastic wanted to go on the on this big hike and everyone wanted to invite Thai. And 
it was group after group coming and you know having tea with Thai and saying Thai, would you like to go on this hiking trip with us? And I think at, at one point, like Thai got a little bit fed up, <laughs> <laughs> and Thai said, Thai said to this uh, this group of brothers and sisters with a lot of kindness, <laughs> and Thai said, you know, I bet you that Thai sitting at this hut and looking at that mountain. I can enjoy that mountain more than you who are climbing it, who want to arrive at the peak, quote unquote. And Tai just had this laugh when he was saying, like it, it was such a, uh, just such a human moment for Tai. You know, like he was just being so real with his student. It's like just stop, stop. Just Tai's like, please go and enjoy the mountains, but leave Tai alone. Tai knows how to enjoy his present moment. So even in for me, like reflecting on on how I need to take care of my energy now, there's so much temptation. Even going for a hike, going to enjoy nature, or even going for a cup of tea or something that is very wholesome. But you have to be very mindful of where you're putting your energy. Where is your intention? And that is real freedom when you know how to care for yourself. I always come back to that because sometimes we are being um, um, being carried away by the collective energy, even if it's something that is very, very wholesome, very good. But if in that moment you know actually what I need is to just sit back and not go anywhere. And enjoy, and not think that today is a free day. I need to spend it. I need to use it so that I don't waste my time here. But in that moment, no, I can actually just be here, be in the present moment, enjoy nature where I am, and live deeply that moment. That's also real freedom. So in real freedom, in that particular moment I had with Tai at Estes Park. Colorado YMCA. I got to experience a moment where Tai was so free, not caught by the collective energy, and because he, he knew how to take care of, of himself. And Tai always told me, you know, when we're on tour, we have to be very responsible, because our responsibility is not just giving a talk, but is to remain healthy, so that the tour. All of us are healthy, are showing up, are present. None of us is twisting our ankle. None of us is um, f- um, getting sick because that is also freedom to show up, freedom to be one with this river. If your health is weaker and you're not mindful, you're not taking care of yourself, you're just flowing with um, excitement and and losing yourself, then you also are not. Being true to what your responsibility is at that moment, so f- to be who you are is also to know how you have to show up. As a teacher, you have to do things um, that 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 is of the virtue of a teacher, right? When when you're young, be young, so that when later on you're a little bit older, more uh, different roles, you. Can still be young, but in a different way. And I've, I'm still, 
I'm still dancing with this, you know. I'm still sometimes like Papu, like can can I still do that? <laughs> But it's 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 not it's not such a you know. I'm I'm not trying to create more problems for myself, but also be free in our growth. Be free in the present moment of who we are is what I am learning to to arrive at more deeper every day, and also allowing ourselves to be free in. Exploring our suffering, like I said, like even after twenty something years, thirty years of practicing, we we're still going to have moments of doubt, moments of questions, of of loneliness, of suffering, of voids. It's okay, but we can be free with it. Our practice is not a competition. We're not going to look back and try competing with ourselves or compete with others. Or like you know, come to uh, after my tenth trip to Plum Village. I need to be you know like this or like that. It's not meditation. It's not a competition. So, just related to that, brother, because what I hear you talking about is is creating space as well. So, uh, Paz and I have just returned from three weeks in New York, and I realized from the moment I woke up till the moment I went to bed, I was busy, and I didn't. I don't. I had a good time, but I don't remember having any insight or any. Reflection. I was enjoying myself, but actually coming back to Plum Village a couple of days ago, and suddenly finding spaciousness, and in the spaciousness, I find my wisdom. And because I've let go of my busyness, and I, I, I see so much. I mean, in a sense, as a coach, what I tell clients is, I offer, I'm offering you my spaciousness, because everyone I speak to is so busy. That there's no time to think about freedom, to think to to try and experience freedom, because everyone's rushing from one thing to the next. And I feel in Plum Village, what has brought me most insight and wisdom and depth of understanding is exactly what you do: is just stopping. I haven't read a book. I haven't watched or. St- Done any studying particularly, but I'm present, and and that has you know that brings up some suffering as well because actually when I've got nothing to do, I face myself, and when you face yourself, you'll face both insight, but you'll face suffering as well that I've been probably running away from most of my life, and and I I love the way you've described about the way we work with our energy levels. Because a lot of people think that time and energy are the same, but actually, you can have a ten-minute conversation with someone that can sap all your energy. And when you when you lose your energy, actually, you lose your freedom. Because actually, and you lose other people's freedom because you get frustrated or ratty, and then you you take it out and project it onto other people. So, I do feel that actually, just creating space 
in which life can show up, space in which an insight can emerge, space in which um, you can really spend time with understanding someone else. I mean, that, that is all freedom. And busyness, actually striving, doesn't actually create any freedom at all. It just creates busyness and striving. Exactly. The more we're striving, it just creates more work for us. So learning to have enough is freedom. Learning to see that is enough. I don't need to chase the next project. And also entrusting, entrusting it into the future generation, your colleagues, your teammate. I think that is a hard practice. It's easier said than done because our um, pride is very powerful, is very strong. We feel like we have to have our name on everything. But our freedom is to see that when we entrust, we are there without the label. And that can be a profound support for others. I, I remember in um, in the climate retreat, you know, one of the climate leaders shared that she would like to give her time for any woman under 35 years old to help mentor them. That is very selfless and very, her practicing freedom to see the next continuation, the next generation also stepping up. And that is a mark of understanding that there needs to be a transmission. And I think in our times, like with, you know, social media and everything like verified, like everyone is getting a check mark and getting their name known, etc. And we, we, we get caught in that. We get caught in that self. We get caught in that uh, of, of um, our ego. And we forget that we're also here to transmit. That is actually part of our nature. One of the reasons why we also want to have children, our animal nature, is also to make sure that our lineage continues, our human species continues. But for us spiritually, we don't continue through just physical um, bodies, but we continue through through legacy of actions, through aspiration that we hand down to, the work of peace, the work of reconciliation, the work of mindfulness, it's lifetime. It's, and it needs to be lifetime because even today, we still have so much suffering. We still have so much um, war and so much um, discrimination, even in our most advanced Time we can say, but it feels like we have less freedom. Mm. Brother, thank you so much. Um, maybe we should stop here to give people the freedom to relax through your meditation. So uh, you give us normally a guided meditation. So dear listeners, um, this is a chance to practice being free, being in this present moment. Um, and uh, brother, do you want to bring us back to this present moment? Dear friends, wherever you may be, if you're going for a walk, going for a jog, if you're on a bus, sitting in a train or on an airplane, if you're cleaning your house, whatever you may be doing, if you can just allow yourself to take a moment 
to stop and relax. You can sit down, or you can even lay down, or just stand still, feeling your two feet firmly on the ground, rooted to the earth. Become aware of your whole body from the tip of your head to your face, your neck, your shoulders, your arms, your hands, your back, your chest, your abdomen, your lower body, your two feet. If there's any tension, let us just relax in this moment. Let us sink into our body. Offer yourself a smile. As I breathe in, I'm aware this is my in-breath. As I breathe out, I am aware this is my out-breath. In-breath, out-breath. You don't have to think about your breathing. Just feel your in-breath. Feel your out-breath. If it is long, let it be long. If it is short, let it be short. Breathe freely. As I breathe in, I'm aware of my body as I breathe out. I relax my body. If there's any tension, breathing in, aware of that body part. And breathing out, I release that tension in that body part. In, aware of body. Out, I relax. As I breathe in, I smile to the thought that comes up in my mind. And breathing out, I ground it to myself in this moment, in this present moment. Not pushing it away, not criticizing myself. Just smile, whatever thought come up, and just ground it in the present moment with your breathing. Breathing in, I am present for myself. I may have neglected myself for a long time, running, towards the future or in fear of the past. 
in this moment. I smile to myself, allow myself to just be here. Breathing in, I have freedom in my in-breath. As I breathe out, I have freedom in my out-breath. In recognizing freedom, out cultivating freedom. As I breathe in, aware that I am present, I am a continuation of my parents, of my ancestor, but I am also the present moment of who I am. I'm not caught by their past, but I can smile through the experience. And breathing out, I want to continue and transform the past experience and to create and cultivate new moments where there is healing, transformation, reconciliation. I am free to embrace the past and to create the future in this moment. Breathing in, I know I'm not perfect, but breathing out, I am enough. In, I am not perfect, but out I smile because I am enough. I am here. Breathing in a deep breath. Breathing out a slow out breath with freedom. Because we are alive, anything is possible. In and out. Thank you, dear friends, for practicing and listening to the podcast. Dear listeners, you can find all our previous episodes of this podcast on the Plum Village app and also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. 
If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to The Way Out Is In on whichever platform you're using. And it'd be great if you leave a review if you feel inspired, which will help others to discover what we're doing. And this podcast is co-produced by Global Optimism and the Plum Village app with support from the Thich Nhat Hanh Foundation. If you feel inspired to support the podcast moving forward, please go to www.tnhf.org donate. And we'd like to thank all of our friends and collaborators that make this podcast possible. Clay, aka The Podfather, who's our co-producer. Uh, Joe, who edits our audio. Uh, Anka, who does our show notes and publishing. And Jasmine and Cindy, who are our social media guardian angels. And also grateful to Kata and also Brother Nim Tung and Martin, who also helps us record and is our sound technician, as well as our teacher, Zen Master Tikihan and the Plum Village community. The way out is in. Oh.